grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, it is an ongoing debate, and some people clearly advocate for one side or the other. So I want to take a little poll and see which side you're on. <laughs> the question is, which is better, the book or the movie based on the book? <laughs> Raise your hand if you prefer book. Lots for book. Raise your hand if you prefer movie. A few for movie. Yeah, good. People on team book usually talk about how you get more details and descriptions from the author. You can imagine all the environments and the situations. You get to hear what's going on in the characters' heads. You don't get that in the movie. Plus, sometimes when you watch the movie, it doesn't match up with what you imagine, so that can kind of be disappointing. On the other hand, those who go for the movie sometimes say that they don't really enjoy reading. Maybe they would rather spend just a few hours watching the world on the screen instead of a lot more hours reading the words on a page. And sometimes they say that seeing the movie really makes the story come alive for them. Right? So clearly there are supporting arguments for both sides. When it comes to today's gospel reading, we have the book, right? we have the Bible, but this would be an amazing scene for movie. Imagine how it starts. Jesus takes Peter and James and John up a high mountain to pray. So the camera shows these four guys as they make their way up the mountain. Maybe you would get a, a close-up shot of their feet. You'd hear their footsteps as they walk that road. You'd see their clothes in that typical tan and brown. Maybe you'd see their smiles or hear them talking as they travel. Maybe there would be that hero shot of Jesus standing in front, leading the way while the others follow behind him. Now, you've seen Bible movies, you know what that shot is. Once they get to the top of the mountain, the camera would show Jesus right there in the middle, and then he would start to move the whole. Right? This is the money shot right here. This is the big special effects moment. You can imagine all the CGI that they would use for this. The camera might then cut to the disciples as they shield their eyes, almost like they're trying not to look into the sun. The camera would then go back to Jesus, and we as the viewers and the disciples would see that two other figures have shown up, Moses and Elijah. Now we've got two cameo appearances. Right? Plenty of movies like having cameos. Right? The Marvel Cinematic Universe really liked it. But what are they for? Well, the whole point of the cameo is because the director wants you to know that all of these stories are connected. What's happening with the main character in this story has something to do with the cameo characters and their stories. Which is what we see happening here. Jesus' story is connected to the stories of Moses and Elijah. Think about it. 
Both of those guys knew how hard it was to follow God. Both of them encountered God on a mountain. And both of them had noteworthy deaths. All of which are clues for what's coming up for Jesus. The camera would then cut back to Peter, who starts talking about building three booths up there. But then, before he's finished talking, the whole scene gets cloudy. Jesus is still glowing, but the disciples and us as the viewers kind of see him through this, this fog. We hear a disembodied voice speak. Then suddenly the cloud vanishes. Moses and Elijah are gone and Jesus has stopped glowing. The lighting and the environment all return to normal. The camera might show Jesus bending down to help the disciples up off the ground. And their expressions show that they are completely confused. Like, what just happened? This transfiguration moment would be wonderful on the screen. In a way, it makes me think of the Wizard of Oz. Now, you've seen that movie. Right? It's one of those classics that like everybody has seen. And of course, it's based on a book. In the movie, though, there is a fantastic visual that the book can't provide. In the beginning, when Dorothy is in Kansas, the movie's in black and white. Remember what happens when she goes into Oz? It all turns to color. That brilliant visual change told viewers, as Dorothy said, that we're not in Kansas anymore. There is something much different about this place. I mean, just imagine how dull it would have been if we didn't see that the yellow brick road was actually yellow. Or if we weren't able to see those bright red ruby slippers. Fun fact, in the book, her slippers are actually silver. The filmmakers thought that red would be more visually appealing. And of course, they're right. Those ruby red slippers have become a national treasure. So much so that most people don't even know about the silver ones. At the end of the movie, after Dorothy clicks the heels of those slippers and returns to Kansas, it all goes back to black and white. The transfiguration is very much like there was the normal, everyday, black-and-white world for the disciples before the mountain, and then after the mountain. But what happened on the mountain was completely different. This was in Technicolor. This was when Jesus glowed and Moses and Elijah appeared. This was when they heard the divine voice speak. This was unlike anything they had ever seen or experienced before. They were clearly not in Kansas anymore. But, as breathtaking as those visuals were, this moment 
is not about what the disciples saw. Here's where we go back to the book versus the movie. The movie can give you wonderful visual effects, like changing from black and white to color or turning silver slippers into ruby red ones. But sometimes, when you focus on the visual, you miss what's really important. Like, people remember Dorothy's red slippers, but the shoes are not the point of the Wizard of Oz. The point is more about how we already have intelligence and heart and courage, even if we don't think we do. So here's the challenge. We live in a very visual culture. We look at screens on our walls, on our desks, on our laps, in our hands, on our wrists. And now, thanks to Apple's Vision Pro, released only nine days ago, you can have a screen literally in front of your eyes like a pair of glasses. We like seeing things. And we are often not very good at listening. Most of the time, we think listening simply means waiting for our turn to speak. True listening, though, takes work, effort, attention, and time. Like sticking with a lengthy book. True listening can be hard like discipleship. When the disciples were on that mountain and the cloud overshadowed them, the divine voice said, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. It did not say look at him, but listen to him. Despite the amazing visuals that were going up there on the mountain, the point is not what Jesus looked like. The point is on what he has said. Okay, so what's he been saying? In the scene right before this one, Jesus talked about how he was going to suffer and die. And he called his disciples to take up their cross and follow him. So clearly, there's a lot more going on here than what we see. In particular, there's two things to notice. First, Jesus is on his way to the cross. Right now, he's all glowing and radiant on mountain, with Moses and Elijah on either side. But very soon, he will be bloody and crucified on another one with two criminals on either side. Also, on the way down, Jesus told Peter and James and John not to tell anyone about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. That's because we can't fully understand the transfiguration without looking ahead to the cross. These two moments play against each other. They interpret each other. How you see one shapes how you see the other. 
And this is why the visual is important. Right? The same Jesus who is full of glory and radiance on this mountain will be full of suffering and death on the other mountain. Or, to put it a different way, Jesus didn't stay in the vibrant, technicolor world of that mountain. Instead, he came back to the boring, black-and-white Kansas world. The world where we live every day. In order to bring you to new life. So that's the first thing to notice here. Jesus does what he does for you. The other thing to notice is that the disciples are changed, too. Right? Jesus isn't the only one who's transfigured up there. The disciples aren't the same people, either. Right? Yes, we could say that it's like walking out of a dark movie theater and trying to adjust to the bright lights of everyday life again. But I think it's more about the fact that they now see Jesus and the world and themselves in a new light. Pun intended. Jesus has called them to take up their cross and follow. He has called them and us to do this hard thing called discipleship. And yes, we might stumble and fall along the way, Yes, we might not be the most faithful. Yes, like Peter, we might often speak before we think. And sometimes we don't want to stick with it. But Jesus is still faithful. He still went to the cross for Peter and James and John and you and me. He still calls us to take up our cross and follow. The divine voice said, listen to him. Why? Because it's through listening that we hear him speak to us. It's through listening that we hear the promise of new life that he gives us. It's through listening that we hear his call to follow. By putting the transfiguration and the cross together, we see that even when life is full of suffering and death, Jesus is still strong. Even when your life is full of suffering and death, Jesus is still strong. Even when all you see is darkness and despair, Jesus is still strong. And you are not alone. And whether that story is told in technicolor or in black and white, on the screen or on the page, it is always a story that plays out in our lives. All of us are 
cameo characters in the story of Jesus. We have important roles to play, and our story connects to his story, but he is the main character. But being a part of Jesus' story, though, is much better than any book or movie. So let's take up our cross and follow and see where his story goes from here. In the name of this one who goes to the cross for our sake, Jesus Christ our Lord.